amazing special effects. What's that? Special effects? An in-camera light. <laughs> if you could hold the cup at an angle, it would feel like Star Wars. But don't spill. Don't spill. Oh, yeah, don't spill. I know. I'm holding it right over my laptop. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Good morning. Finally. Here we go. We're only a little wee bit. Ah, oh, it's not so as bad as it could be. Anyway. Right? Technical hey, anybody else in the world experiencing technical difficulties? Man, oh, man, the hamsters just stopped running on their wheels this morning, and we had to wake them up. So many of them, too. Not just one thing, but it was a lot of them. So. I, Kevin had a great point. We think all the computers didn't have their cup of coffee this morning. So yeah, no, it was the uh, time zone. That was uh, and was. the time yeah. zone change. All of it together just made everything blow up. All kinds. Of well, you know, it's, it's oddly enough that uh, uh, I can't remember the last time I spilled coffee at my desk. I mean, mm. it, it's been so long I can't remember that because I'm very careful about yeah. food and drinks around my station. And I came in, I sat down, I set my cup down and my finger didn't come like, you know, here's your, you know, you have your cup and my finger, it was like right there. And just as I was letting go, I went like that one more time. And it, just that little slosh, just enough of a slosh to say, you got to be kidding me. Oh, brutal. So we had a little oh. accident this morning. <laughs> oh, it happened this morning? Yeah, it was like seconds before I logged in. I was just sitting there. Oh, that's down. what it was. Oh, now we know who shut down the internet today. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, well, yeah, just yeah. testing things out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I blame everything on research. <laughs> yeah, QA so hey, down. everybody. We got Kevin Thorne with us today, right, Chris? Look at that. He himself. Yes. Avec chapeau, as we say in Quebec. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> uh, well, I guess it'd be technically Don Chapeau. I, I don't know. I, I uh, apparently can't speak French nearly Come as well on. as I as can. A, as a Canadian, you should be able to do better than that, Chris. Come on. I should be. <laughs> I should be. I'm an embarrassment. This is an embarrassment. <laughs> well, at least you have the outrageous accent. <laughs> <laughs> Too many. Too many Bugs Bunny cartoons for us, maybe growing up or something, eh? <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. So good morning to everybody. I see lots of folks finally joining us. We have all kinds of goofy things that were going on today. So we're glad that uh, so many of you are going to be able to actually be able to join us and didn't just abandon us in our hour of need. So anyway, that's very, very cool. Hey, we've got a really cool thing to talk about here today. Uh, bringing Kevin back uh, to talk a little bit more about uh, instructional comics in e-learning. Um, and we're not talking to stand-up comics, though, right? You would think so after the morning. <laughs> Cue the snare drum. <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy. Just oh, a bunch boy, of comedians oh, trying to do comic work here. But we're talking about the illustrated kind of comics. Graphic novels might be the more impressive term, right, Kevin? Uh, yeah, yeah, in that area. Comic medium in general, I guess. Oh, okay. to... I think that was going to be my first question to you this morning is when we when we're talking about comics in the world of e-learning and developing them and media content are we talking about comics as 
the art of how it's drawn? Or are we talking about comics as the methodology of how a story is told through the medium? Or what elements of it? Maybe we should just kind of start with that basic idea. Does it have to be one thing or another? Or like, what is it? Well, that's a great question, Brent. <laughs> uh, first off, uh, no, it is not about style. It has nothing to do with art in general. Because art is subjective, as we all know. What what one um, uh, XCKD, XKCD, the, com the, the uh, comic strip that, that we're all so familiar and so popular. I mean, yeah. it's stick figures, right? Yeah. So it's not it's not the style of art. But that style of art is attractive because of the type of story and because of the jokes that are, are used with that style of art. Um, now we're talking about that's cartoon strips as, as opposed to like Dilbert would again, uh, Dilbert is, is a very simple art style as to oppose, you know, like a, like a Marvel or a DC comic book cover, you know, some of these amazing comic book artists. So it, let's let's put style off the table, um, because what is attracted to me as a style may not be attracted to you, visually, right. uh, and that's really hard a lot of times because especially when you're you're working with a diverse audience, how do you attract uh, a wide demographic of audience participants, learners, whatever, with one particular style? So you got to be really careful, and that goes all the way back to our instructional design roots of know your audience mm -hmm. before you get started with this. Um, your, your second question about the methodology and uh, Scott McLeod says it best about how he defines comics and comic is a medium. It's just, uh, if you think of choosing video as a medium to deliver training in some way, we're going to, we're going to do a bunch of short. Yeah. There's the book. Thanks Brent. Um, there's a, bunch of uh, decision-making prior to what is it going to be? Is it going to be a job aid? Is it going to be video? Is it going to be an infographic? Is it going to be e-learning? All of those are methods and mediums of approach after you've done all your analysis and after you've done your sort of pseudo beginning, really foundational instructional design phase where you're saying, okay, you know, what's the problem? Who's the audience? How are we going to solve this? What's our goal? What's the outcome? All those questions that we have to answer on the front end. And if one of those questions comes up and says, well, we have this type of audience that we're having this kind of problem. And what if we try a comic medium to deliver that same message that hasn't been getting the results we've been wanting either in previous approaches or this is a very new topic or it's a very new approach. Let's try this. So two things, if you've, if you've never used a comic medium in learning before in some kind of training initiative, I would suggest a very small prototype ish, get it out, you know, cause you need, you need your audience feedback, whether they're going to accept it or not. You don't want to put thousands of dollars into a big comic project right. and then not get the results you want. Well, it's not like we don't do that already, but <laughs> but you know what I mean. There's the other comic show we were talking about. <laughs> the other comedy show, right? <laughs> but it takes it takes quite a bit. Well, I'm sorry, Chris. Go ahead. I was just going to say that's more like tragic comedy, or. Yeah. But it takes uh, exponentially 
more time simply because um, you've got artwork. So, um, and again, the choice of artwork is that let's go find a style. So anytime I'm working with a new client, um, is there any particular style you like? So, and then a lot of sometimes like, oh yeah, I like this style. That sometimes, well, I don't know what you mean. I said, well, do you like the black and white pen scratchy style of an editorial cartoon? <clears throat> That's a style. Uh, do you like the more uh, manga anime style? Do you like the, the traditional American uh, superhero comic style? And then go look in those genres and find an artist that you like. I like that style, I like this style. And then once you once we figure out what kind of style you like, then we can go find an artist that can that can uh, duplicate that style or mimic that style. What's the draw for doing it in e-learning though? So you, I know you've been studying this pretty closely. Like you do this kind of work, but you also study it pretty intently. And um, so what would be sort of the instructional draw? Like if somebody came to you and said, I, I can either do a PowerPoint, click next button learning thing, or I can do a comic. What are some of the things that might make somebody lean towards the comic? What makes what would make somebody want to choose that, especially with all everything that you just said, with all of the extra work that goes into it and uh you know all of that the story the story think about it think about a book or a comic or a graphic novel or anything that you read that you're doing self-paced right so you're <clears throat> you're teaching yourself something but it's in, in a reading capacity or it's something that you're looking at on computer what motivates you to keep going through that material Either you have a, a, an undying, passionate interest of that topic, which most people don't have when it comes to their job. I'm say that loosely, but just typical e-learning, a typical training, yeah. people don't wake up early to get to work early to be the first one to log into the LMS. Let's be honest. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, uh, but two things. One, it's the story. You have to have a good story. So that, that's a different type of writing style. Again, um, a, a typical instructional designer that's really good at instructional design may not be a good writer. And a good story writer may not have any clue how to write instruction. So there's there's two talents there. Um, and then, uh, but if, if you, and it's not really that hard to do as long as you have a committed and uh, uh, you know, committed clients, somebody's really involved. They don't just pass it off saying, I really need your, just like you need a subject matter expert's help in any project. Right. I need your help to tell this story because you are you know this story because when you tell other people, you sit around the office and you're talking about things that don't work or you're you're listening to the field on some things or feedback you're getting from, those are stories. You, you already have all the stories there already. All we got to do is transfer those um, into into dialogue, and that's the difference in the writing style. You're writing dialogue, writing narration, and that's two different, complete, you know, styles. Mm -hmm. And plus, when you're writing dialogue, you have to think: is it first person? Is it third person? Do we have one character? Do we have three characters? So all of that character modeling and who's the what characters are what and who's playing the role, and then you know, foundational storytelling again is what, what's your theme. Um, is it the 
hero going on a journey theme, you know, those types of things, right? Is, the, is it the protagonist against the antagonist and an epic battle through time? You know, what are those foundational themes that you build? Yeah. Throw your characters in there, grab your content, and then sit down. And it, it's the hardest part. Uh, I think a lot of people say, well, I don't know how to draw. It has nothing to do with drawing. You go hire an artist. I mean, it doesn't have to do with style. Do you, do you have all the equipment, lighting, and camera equipment to shoot a film, a video? Most people don't. But yeah. you use video and training, so how do you do that? You go hire somebody who's got the equipment. So I'm in a big project right now, and, and it, I'm an artist. I mean, I can draw and everything, but that's so much work and so much time that this particular project, I've hired an artist to do it for me or for this project, not for me, but just, you know, for this project. Um, so, you know, getting back to the story, so you got the artwork, you got the story. Um, but the attraction is, uh, and two now back-to-back -back comics, we've chosen characters in real life that, that the audience, the participants can relate directly to because they know that person. And then we've used that very person's name as the character in the comic. So immediately, immediately they're relating to this character. It's like, oh, I know that person. And then, and then if you can introduce other characters, or whether they're B characters or if they play a significant role in the comic, if it's somebody that is in that workforce that everybody knows and can relate to, and you make them a character, then all of a sudden, whether it's humor or whether they're the protagonist, it doesn't matter what character, but you've made that connection. And I think that's one of the big missing gaps in e-learning generally is we don't connect with our learners somehow in e-learning. It's just info dump. And we throw a bunch of interactions, we put pretty graphics on it, and we got some really high quality, really great interactivity, activities, simulations, award-winning projects. But those are at the same level as what a comic is in terms of time and effort. If, you, if, if that makes sense, tying it all back together. Yeah. Um, so one thing that, that, that strikes me, um, and I was just thinking, gosh, I'm a lifelong reader of, of comics, comic strips, especially that that particular page in the newspaper was always the, the rush, right? The, mm -hmm. You know, Dad, you can have the front section. I just want the, but That's anyway. Um, but I haven't spent a lot of time in some ways, I guess, thinking, you know, about them. But you've used the word story multiple times. And what, what was really kind of clanking out there for me is, I mean, when you start to bring in story, then you're starting to bring in um, emotion and you're bringing in effective opportunities to instruct, not just um, not just information. Um, so you start being able and, and that's got that it adds an extra level of um, uh, resonance or an extra level of persuasion, you know, potentially if, if done, you know, well, if it's not just, you know, corny and oh, great, they put this in a comic strip format but it's the same kind of a thing so that seems to me that that's probably like one of the really big leverage points or, or, or the the really big things that you can take advantage of with something like a comic yeah so exactly emotion i think you hit on it because what i think a lot of people don't realize is that comics is a great way to teach soft skills because mm -hmm. soft skills are, are you know relational and it's based on uh, interacting with other people other than myself. It's not a task or a procedure or some, 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 you know, step action table I need to memorize. It's soft skills. How do I relate to other people in my workforce? And how do I know my skills that, you know, how do, you know, those, those types of topics, that's where comics is a great, 
um, medium. I think it's, I think empathy works there as well too, because it, um, you can get away with a lot in the story using comics as opposed to video, for example, like if you were trying to, to video, uh, the same scene and I'm thinking, you know, sexual harassment, it's such a common yeah. Component type training thing that happens all the time. Something you might be able to portray and do in a comic style uh, might go over a lot better, even across different uh, cultures, than um, than shooting it with video and having to try to get actors to to play out the scene just right. Because there's so many more subtleties when it comes to expressing certain elements and things like that when you're looking at people real people in real life you just expect something different than when you're reading a comic you, um you know does so and and you mentioned this earlier this is kind of what triggered it for me the whole culture side of things right we're talking about the emotion when you get into emotions there's a lot of sensitivities involved and and you and i were chatting offline uh earlier about just sort of the the cultural issues you might bump into in, in doing comics for training. Mm -hmm. Well, you hit on two things, <clears throat> empathy and culture. Um, and we talk about characters, let's be very clear too. And I think this is where the creativity is so much uh, more expressive in comics is that a character doesn't have to be a humanoid. You know, it can be, it can be an inanimate object. It can be a, a major character, a major role. A dog. Uh, a dog. Well, not even that, a stapler. You know, a red stapler from the office can be a character. So that is, if you think about it, and then that show, that red stapler was a character in that show. Yeah. Um, so it's just studying storytelling and where characters are and what who characters are. Uh, when you mention empathy, we have a character in this one. It's called the Empathy Goggles. And when you're having a hard time relating to somebody, understanding what somebody else is going through, you put on your Empathy Goggles where you can see through their eyes and then in the comic, it's a physical, it looks like a big steampunk pair of goggles that somebody puts on with the little green lenses and everything. And all of a sudden, everything comes clear and you're like, oh, I didn't understand. That's how they felt. And oh, that makes very you know sense. And then you can take, so there's a little humor, but it leads into where this character now comes to life. So then in real life, then um, coworkers can say, or a supervisor can say, hey, let's put our empathy goggles on. In, in a real conversation, say, let's put our empathy goggles on because that's what we learned about in this comic. Um, so then that becomes a real, uh, a real character. And uh, there's other characters. We have ones called Energy Spray. It's for a facilitator. It's just a little aerosol can. And essentially what it is, is it's you spray yourself down. And what that does is it, it takes all the self-doubt and the worry away from you as a facilitator. And it, and it gives you a jolt, kind of like coffee, right? It gives you a jolt of confidence and focus and clarity. Um, so that's another one. And then um, one, of the, uh, one of the villains or a set of villains, they're just bugs. So the, the protagonist antagonist, so the antagonist is this evil professor that has um, created a bunch of these bugs. So just think of giant mosquitoes, if you will. And oh, bugs. I couldn't, bugs. I couldn't quite understand what you were saying, but bugs. Bugs. B-U-G. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And then it just, you throw it out and um, the, the, there's a, there's a 
class getting ready to start and the facilitator's a little worried and the participants are, you know, they're a little worried about different things because the uh, evil professor had come in and released these bugs and they're flying all over the room and the bugs have their own names like self-doubt, lack of confidence, worry, different, different emotions that we feel in the workplace. And then the facilitator has the energy spray and sprays the room down and all the bugs die. So it's a, it's a way to, how do we, and, and when we talk about culture and tying that back to culture from empathy, this particular audience, um, and it was very interesting to learn that, let me ask you guys a question and then you, and, and everybody in chat too. If, um, if I were to say, define to me in very short words, um, to you, what does a safe learning space mean to you? I'm going to say a, a, a safety means that I'm comfortable or I'm, the consequences of failure are are limited. In other words, I can take a risk. Right. Okay. If I'm a learning, a safety in a learning perspective, that's, mm-hmm. that's what it, it evokes for me. <clears throat> Also, maybe I can be vulnerable in front of other people. Mm-hmm. I can say things safely yep. that I might not. Now, imagine, imagine you don't. Imagine you don't understand the psychological definition of safe learning. So, flip that over. Okay. Define what a safe learning space is physically. Not from a psych- mm-hmm. psychological approach, but from a physical approach. What does that mean? I can't hurt myself. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, gee, no sharp corners. Uh, Yeah. yeah, Typical, you know, um, slips, trips, and falls. Typical safety Mm -hmm. training, right? No ladders, you know, buckets full of water laying around, that sort of stuff. So when we talk about safe learning space, we have two definitions. And I already knew the answer, but it it was interesting that both of you went to the psychological answer before the physical answer. Well, it's just because we're psycho. Yeah. <laughs> well, there is that. Yeah. That's our that's natural tendency. Now, now let's assume that you're working with a culture, an audience that has absolutely zero concept of a psychological definition of that term. They have no way of understanding the concept behind psychologically safe learning space. Now, that's one, that's one of your challenges to instruct or define in this in this learning so how do you present and explain what a psychological safe learning space is and how would you do that in like typical e-learning where it's self-paced one person one computer you have to teach them what a safe learning space is without a info dump or a definition from wikipedia so that's where the comment comes in yeah. That's where the empathy goggles came in. That's where the energy spray came in. That's where these bugs are at. Because then after we have this epic chaotic scene where everybody's kind of freaking out because um, they're worried, they didn't know if they did well, uh, different things like that. And then <clears throat> you have you have one scenario where the facilitator understands and already has been trained with these empathy goggles and is a super facilitator and yeah, and he's got the superhero outfit and everything. And uh, 
But then she goes into the into the class and, and and explains it, and where everybody's like, "Oh, I feel much better." So then there's feedback, direct feedback right away, and there's understanding of what that means. And then the other side, it's chaos, and people are getting yelled at, and they're being criticized, and they're not. So it's still the psychological side, but it's it's the it's the yin and yang, the, the black and white difference between what a safe learning space and what what is unsafe learning space mean from a psychological standpoint. Yeah, um, and it's a it was a very it was a very sort of eye-opening. We get so uh, in Western culture, we get so in, ingrained, ingrained into our, you know, check the check the boxes through our e-learning and our traditional ways of doing things when it comes to instruction. But then, when you have an audience that is um, completely not our, our culture. And there's so many different things here. I mean, just the finer details of, of the culture. It, this culture is very, very literal. So, and, and it's how do you how do you explain concepts when the culture is um, they're, they're just ingrained with this literal approach to everything? It's been a, it's been a little bit of a challenge to write this story. Yeah. So I was going to say, and my instructional head went right to, okay, how what is their what what do they know and what's their prior knowledge and how can we tie to it? And I thought to myself, well, if they know the, what physical safety is and they don't really have a concept of the other one, how do we tie the physical elements of a safe space and connect it to what we might consider psych the psychological safe space? So uh, the, the puddle of water on the slippery floor could be animated or become a character and be uh representative of like fear uh, and then the the ladder that nobody's spotting is uh trust or uh, yeah that's something right like that exactly and that's and, the what you're talking about is the brainstorming creative process before pencil hits paper i mean you've got to spend hours going through just what you're talking about because you have to map through all this um and the, when you, I'm going to go back to what you said. When, but these folks, they may not know what the definition is, but they've felt it. Everybody's felt it. When you get yelled at, if you're if you're learning how to do something for the first time and you did it incorrectly, and then you get criticized and yelled at for not doing it correctly, that's not a safe space mentally. So people have this culture has experienced an unsafe space before, but they don't know what a safe space is when it comes to defining it. So we have to present this of being yelled at or being criticized or condemned for making a mistake in this learning environment. And then they can relate to that because that's how they were sort of, that's what they're familiar with. But then you, 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 how do we fix that? And we change it. And then all of a sudden we've, 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 we've brought in the lesson. Let's flip it around. So it's been quite a challenge. I really liked um, your, the empathy goggles. What, what struck me about that was it's, I mean, we can tell people to be sympathetic or, or something, but talking about rephrasing it that way makes it actually uh, almost a near concrete um, action that people do, that it almost physically embodies in a sense that that activity of, you know, walking a you know, mile in someone else's shoes. I really, yeah. um, it, it's what, that's what struck me was it was taking it not just from, well, why don't you be, more empathetic, or, which is kind of an abstract thing, but saying, here's an uh, at least a mental metaphor of an action that 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 you can do, mentally putting on your your um, your goggles that way, and it kind of reframes. It, it certainly seems to 
I don't know, I'm kind of losing my words here, but it, it seems to me that it takes it that one extra step that maybe helps it become an active thing rather than a, a sort of semi-active thing that someone might be able to do then. So. Yeah, I'm finding the more and more of these projects I do, um, the psychological, um, the, 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 um, the soft skills, the, the mental side of training, I think there's, I think comics have more of a, um, more of an impact there than just, you know, teaching you how to change a flat tire step one, step two kind of thing in a comic. Um, although Will, Will Eisner did an, an amazing job for like mega decades with the army on, yeah. on the PS magazines. I think they, there's like, for me, when I look at comics, I think of comics as sort of the, the printed form of movies and cartoons, right? Like it's, it's like they, it's like they created a storyboard and decided, huh, this is pretty awesome. Let's just print this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's, let's polish it up and print this. But I mean, I, I know there's a whole bunch more to it, but um, you know, some of the concepts that are in it are the same and we're, wow. Oh man, 638 already. Jeez. We could talk for hours about this. <laughs> I didn't realize what time it had gotten, but I just, I wanted to, I'm trying to get better at, um, at least having one book recommendation for people every single time we talk. And I know you got a ton in this environment. This is the only one I can recommend that I love. If you guys don't have this, um, and yeah. your new comics and even thinking about using it in training. Um, uh, this, this, this was the book that got me, that sold me on it. Uh, I met Scott, uh, McLeod at a conference at, um, an illustration conference or what was I, it was, uh, Oh, what was that thing called? Ah, I can't remember, but it was anyway. a thing. It was a thing. Super nice guy, though. And um, I wasn't bought into it, I'll be perfectly honest, until uh, he said he talked to me about it a little bit. And I'm like, huh. And he's like, you just just read my book. And I did. And it was like, wow. I mean, there's so much more to this medium than just. Yeah. My copy. On I don't know. It's up here somewhere. Things. My copy has got all kinds of tabs sticking out of it in different pages for reference yeah my my favorite is his triangle i'm gonna see i used i thought i had it dog-eared in the book um, here's um you see those here's three i recommend can you see is that backwards writing coming in no it's the, working. Uh, crowdcast flips it so it's good we see it yeah. just fine it oh. looks backward to you but not to oh. us all right so um this one maybe um, well, let's see. If out of if this is the Will's Will the part of the Will Eisner uh, Will Eisner Will Eisner collection, um, I would recommend if you're just starting out. Um, gosh, any one of these two would be great to start with. Oh, you've shown me that one before. That's the one I need to get. Ah, okay. Um. So, let's let's forget about the art and comics and the, and the, and that, that kind of thing. But it's about, and, and Scott McCloud talks about it too. It's about sequential narrative. It's how do you, I mean, think about e-learning. E-learning is sequential narrative. We put things in sequence and we have some kind of a narrative structure to that. Well, sequential narrative when it comes to comics is, is very similar, but there's a little bit different things you have to, how do you control 
action and time and pacing and, and when, how do you visualize emotion and how do you visualize anger and things like that? Um, that book really gets into, um, that sequential narrative and, and story graphic storytelling, not just storytelling, but graphic storytelling. And then this is sort of the other one to that it's sequential art, sequential, sequential art. Yeah. Well, there we go. Back it up. There we go. Do you um do you have any favorite websites you could share with us or um, uh, your website, for example? Maybe some of the some samples of some stuff you've worked on. Um, yeah, I've got I've got one thing pulled up. This cover art here. Hang on, let me let me find this website real quick, and then I'll. Um, but I love this topic. There's a lot we can talk about, a lot we can cover, right? I mean, I didn't even I didn't. I mean, I read comics a little bit when I was a kid, but not much. I wasn't like obsessive. Like I know a few folks in our industry uh, were and have been. Chris, what, what, what was your uh, experience with comics? So we, yeah, uh, grade school, pre-high school, um, I would say I was like a medium comic book uh, reader. Definitely there were, you know, some of the crowd that uh, that were deeper in. And uh, it was always interesting to see the people that, uh, let's see what comics and particular heroes, you know, people identified with. I am thinking of one, um, one of our group who was very much self-associated with the Hulk, for example. And, um, you know, doesn't take much of a, a, a leap to maybe see where the empathy, you know, with that character was coming from for this particular uh, individual who was a big guy um, and, you know, had uh, challenges maybe navigating the world, for example. So. Um, that was already in hindsight that, no, not, not the angry, but the, you know, anyway, we, we, we could spend a lot of time, I guess, on that, but, um, I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. I just put a link in there. Um, uh, the visual language lab. Oh yeah. I love that. Okay. Um, Neil Cohn, if you're, if you're the researcher type and you, you want, you're looking for research, if you look at the top of his website, there's a, a large icon and he, and he's kind of an artist himself, a comic artist. So he does a lot of infographics and those sorts of things in his work. But he's um, he's he's the academic side, more of the more of visual literacy yep. or visual linguist. So he does a lot of <clears throat> a lot of work in visual language, not just comics in general. Uh, but he does a lot of research on the comic side. So that's where that's where I get my evidence. <laughs> Yeah, for, got to have the evidence. Yeah, for, for all of those times, um, you're, you're starting a project and they say, well, why? You, evidence must come in handy. So, um, Kevin, are you at uh, Learning Solutions? I am. Um, I'm actually going to be demoing this um, instructional comic at DemoFest. Cool, cool. And we're bringing all the artwork. Oh, awesome. Um, so all of the, all the pencil sketches and thumbnails. Um, so I've got to assemble uh, like a three-ring binder, old school. So you can kind of flip through all the pencil art and what, you know, all our little red marks and where we made changes and stuff like that. Um, and then, uh, some of the color art, final color art, and then you'll see the motion comic put together. There's two modules. I think I only have module one ready by then, but, um, I've got the cover art for module two with the empathy goggles. If you, if you want to see it, I can show it real quick. Sure. That'd be very cool. Um, and are you doing, How do I do I, well, just, uh, oh. oh, I see it. No, oh, I see. Okay. Uh, go ahead. You're, you had a well, question. Chris. Saying, how about a session? Do you have a session? Yeah, I've got I've got one session uh, has nothing to do with comics. <laughs> it has to do with um, uh, 360 virtual reality tour for onboarding. And how do you do that? Because well, cool. that's 
that's the other side of my life. Yeah, I was just going to say, so for those of you that don't know Kevin Thorne, uh, he has a lot of creative uh, uh, hands in a lot of buckets, uh, working on a lot of cool projects. So if you get a chance to uh, chase him down or you see him at an event like uh, Learning Solutions coming up, uh, you should definitely say hi. Kevin, uh, there's lots of different things, and yet he only wears one hat. No, actually, there's different hats. Oh, okay. Because they're, they're different colors, they just have the same logo. But it's the same nugget head. That's the same nugget head. Yeah. So All right, I, I'm going to share this. I screen need real. to get a cartoon representation of myself, Chris. I think you need one too. We get, we're going to have to work on that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That that it could be fun. <laughs> um, let me show this, and we got. What, if you get back, I know there might be there might be some questions in the audience, so. Let me show this cover real quick. I thought Jeff had a question a minute ago, and I want to get back to it here in a minute. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did somebody have a question uh, in the chat we can uh, jump back to? There you go. Can you can you see that? Oh, my gosh. Go. Yeah, that is so cool. Can you see it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so there's the empathy goggles and her energy spray, and she's the super facilitator coming in to get rid of all the bugs. Uh, I love it. And the debrief, because in real life, it's about a simulation. They're doing a real, it's in, in healthcare where there's nurses doing a simulation, uh, which is very common in nursing school, right? They go through, you know, real life scenarios and simulations. Um, during these simulations, the facilitators or the, or the supervisors um, tend to, um, um, you know, get onto the nurses and not, you know, on that whole safe learning space aspect of it. Um, and the gap, the reason we're using this, the gap is this is sort of the train the trainer. You have these these master facilitators um, that are training other nursing supervisors. And then the nursing supervisors then take these skills back with them to their clinics out in the in the larger, you know, geographic region. And the the gap is the skills aren't transferring down from this this simulation. And they're putting so much time and effort and money into these simulations because it's it's a central location, so there's travel involved, and it's just a lot of money involved. Um, but they're not getting the results of transferring the knowledge from the simulation back down to the clinics. So, and part of it has to be that part of it is the whole empathy thing. Um, nurses are still complaining; they're getting yelled at, and they're not they're not learning because they feel uncomfortable, they feel nervous, they feel hurried, you know, all of those sorts of things. Um, so this module, the first module, is sort of the origin story. It's where the where these characters come from. Um, I love in module two, module one and module two in in the in comic. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Well, that's still my 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 uh, recommendation is called episode. I think that fits more. Yeah. Um, so it's, this is still concept art. Um, there's there's a few changes we have to make on this, but. Um, the second module, the second episode defends the debrief is that you have the simulation that after the simulation, there's this debrief. What went well, went wrong. Think of like an after action review. Yep. And in the debrief is where everybody's having all of these emotional feelings about what happened. Right. So this is where the, 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 the evil professor comes in and he says, I'm going to disrupt this debrief and I'm going to release my bugs so everybody is, you know, off kilter and, not, you know, on their heels sort of thing. Um, and then Super Divya comes in and says, oh, no, you don't. I have my energy spray and I'm giving everybody a pair of empathy goggles. Da, 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 kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Nice. Here's your superhero you know, kit. 
Oh, wait, cool. yeah. So Jeff did have um, Jeff did have a question further back. How do you deal with the brand police? And that could be a lot. Yeah, that was a question I had. I got to figure out how to close this. How do I close the screen? Because it says close video, but I don't want to do that. Does that? Um. Uh, I mean, yeah, you can close it and then just open it back up. Well, hold on. There we go. Well, it says close video. It should yeah, say something right. like stop screen share. Because yeah, that's a little. Yeah. Confusing and could cause you um, a bit of concern for sure. Yeah. Yeah, Jeff. Um, what? How do you deal with brand police? So I was. I saw they go by a while ago. If you can, you. I need a little more clarification on what you mean by what's the context behind brand police in terms of. Um, are you talking about marketing in terms of from the marketing department? Like, if you're a corporate or whatever, how do you stick within the com the corporate brand when you're starting to do comic stuff? If the brand is like professional or whatnot, you know, and you've got the the people that really uh, try to protect that brand very, very, very closely. Uh, yeah, Jeff, that same point. So here's here's the thing: we would never be doing this type of project um, if that front end. But one, you have to have, you have to have, uh, there's got to be the, the general sense of innovation, right? Yeah. When we think of innovation, we always lean towards the technology side of things. Let's be innovative. Let's go get the latest tech. Uh, innovative is doing something different that you haven't done before, in my mind. Yeah. So if you've never done an instructional comic before and you want to try it, then that's innovative. And anytime we do something innovative, we have to have buy-in from all the stakeholders, that if you've never done, take it slow. Just do a prototype, do a small, small type of instruct. What's, what's some instruction that we can do real quick. It doesn't take a whole lot of time to put together. Uh, and let's get some feedback. Let's see what the results are. Uh, one great example is um, onboarding new hire policy handbook. I mean, think about it. Just about every place I've ever heard of that has a policy handbook is you, you hand a new hire, tell them to read this, you know, 400 page book, memorize every policy, know where they're at. And then within 90 days, if you do anything wrong, we're going to fire you because you signed the book and said you agreed to everything that was written in this book. So we all know that's kind of nonsense because nobody ever reads it. All they need to know is know where to access all the policies. What do I need to know? What does a new hire need to know within 30 days? What do I need to do right now? Yeah. And we can, we can write a story in a comic format about here's a new character coming into a workplace and, you know, befriended by, you know, then you've got the different characters that you typically run into. You've got the veteran that's telling you all the things that, you know, that happened 20 years ago. It didn't used to be that way, but now you can't park here. You have to park over there. And I don't, you know, the, you know, you take the humor side of all the little different things that are going on. And, and anyway, I'm, I'm getting off, but a handbook is, an easy way to start. But then the yeah. brand, going back to Jeff's question, the brand police, you got, that's your, that's just like any other project. You got to get all your stakeholders on the front end and say, Hey, this is what we're going to do. Is there anything that we have to adhere to from a marketing brand perspective? Now you notice that cover that I just did. <clears throat> I don't know if you noticed it, but just above module up in the upper left, there was the brand that was the company's logo. Mm. And it appears on the cover and it appears on the back page, which is the credits page. Um, and that logo appears 
I don't know if you noticed it, but it also is on those little energy spray cans. So it's it's right on the little can. So there's brand placement. Going back to Jeff, you can think of different things where you see <clears throat> Pepsi or Chevy or somebody in a movie, right? The, it's brand awareness. So some some brand, some big marketing brand. Or drinking a coffee. Has, yeah, right. So has paid big money to have their product somewhere in the film or somewhere in the movie. It's kind of the same thing with comics. Just find creative, unique places to kind of put the brand. And then marketing is typically happy with that. Yeah. And in the case of what you're describing there, like putting it on the can of the energy spray, that's actually an implicit uh, message that the company is, you know, supporting this. It's actively doing, you know, it's it's giving the power in the spray in a sense, right? Yeah, there's there's several places that that logo appears throughout. And then, like um, the, um, um, it's on the shoulder of the lab coats of the of the nursing supervisors. It's on the um, scrubs that the um, the simulated patients wear. It's on their kneecap. Um, so the the logo appears quite frequently throughout this comic, uh, very subtly, but it's not part of the dialogue. It's not part of hey, you know, this this page was brought to you by. It's nothing that direct. You know, very cool. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're reaching our we're reaching our time limit here. Um, Kevin, this was absolutely fabulous, and uh, and not only do I think there's always lots more to talk about with comics, but I think uh, it sounds like we should probably have you back at some point to start talking 360 and yeah, we can do sorts of yeah. If you're at if you're at um, Learning Solutions, um, if you're if you're down there early, I'm I'm doing. Uh, Monday, they've got a new thing called How I Made This. Oh, okay. um, it's part of the pre-con package, like before before the conference starts. And it's like four to six at night, so it's in the evening. So if you're getting there midday, two, then you come in that night. Um, anyway, it's it's a little 15-minute, 20-minute little um, – I'll show you the back and how that was put together. And then, oddly enough, Wednesday is actually demoing that, the whole project. Nice. Uh, so my my focus at the conference essentially is VR, um, and then Demo Fest is this comic. Um, so, but cool. hey, Jeff, I, I want to catch with you offline on that. So I, I, uh, I'll find you out somewhere out there in the interwebs, and we'll continue that chat. Very cool. Yeah, for sure. Hey, everybody, thanks awesome. for hanging out with us. Yeah, gang, thanks so much, guys. We will see you all uh, next time. And in the meantime, here's your weekly earworm. Thanks, Kevin. Good Thanks, to see guys. You, man. <laughs> 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 <laughs>